This is an AI Group podcast. In this podcast, we'll be discussing the most significant workplace relations issues of the month, June 2020. The full members-only report is available on our website at aigroup.com.au in the policy section under Workplace Relations Policy and Advocacy. With me today, as usual, to discuss the key aspects of this latest report, I'm speaking with Stephen Smith. Stephen's Head of National Workplace Relations Policy at AI Group, and I'm Tony Melville, AI Group's Head of Communications and Government Affairs. So we're going to look briefly at four main issues, the reform process that's underway and been announced in Canberra, the Rosado uh, referral to the High Court, the Mondelez decision, which we've touched on before, and we'll just end up with a little bit on class actions. So first off, we'll just have a look at the five issues of reform that the government's announced so that business organisations, unions and the government are going to sit down for the next four months and try and nut out some agreement on issues within the workplace relations framework that can add to our productivity and help us get out stronger and better and fitter of the COVID-19 crisis. So, Steve, what, what are the first ones? The first one issue to touch on is awards, I think. Yeah, well, there's, there's really five issues. There's casuals uh, and fixed-term employment, award simplification, enterprise agreement making is the third one, the fourth one's compliance and enforcement, and the fifth one is Greenfields Agreements. So the government set up five working groups that are going to meet for the next four months or so, and there's five employer association reps, five union reps, um, Attorney General Porter is chairing them, and there's a deputy chair, uh, Tim Marnie, the former WA treasurer that has a deep uh, economic background. So what we're going to be doing um, over the next four months is looking at these five areas in a lot of detail, and uh, the, the government's plan is for as much consensus to be reached as possible at the end of the process, the government's reserving its right to take whatever legislation or regulations that it believes are necessary to Parliament um, after that process from uh, from October, say. So we'll be hoping to get a lot of input from members because this is the representatives on this group, the various, the five various groups, um, largely employer organisations, government and union. So individual companies, if they want to input, how can they do that? Yeah, well, AI Group is represented on the first four of those working groups, casuals, awards, enterprise agreements and compliance and enforcement. And our affiliated organisation, the Australian Constructors Association, is represented on the fifth group. And we're, we're very keen to get members' input. We've put out a policy paper with some initial ideas and we will be running a number of forums, of course, over the coming uh, few months uh, to get member feedback. But uh, any views are very welcome. It's a, a great opportunity to hopefully achieve some lasting change to the IR system to deliver a more productive and flexible uh, IR system. So what's the attitude, do you think, in terms of how the unions, for example, going into these negotiations? It's going to be very difficult, but the unions at the moment have not said a lot about any of these issues beyond their long-standing policy position. So hopefully they'll keep 
slightly more of a, an open mind than they've traditionally done on topics like, you know, enterprise agreements, for example. The better off overall test is a nightmare there, this idea that you've got to uh, have an agreement where every individual employee is better off overall, regardless of how uh, obscure the particular roster might be that the employee chooses to work. So you know, on topics like that, for many years, unions have just ruled out any change. At the moment, they're, they're being a little bit more... Uh, uh, guarded with what they rule in and out, but it is going to be very difficult. But, but we'll see where these discussions uh, end up. Well, one, one of the areas I mentioned at the start was award simplification. Uh, you've you've lived this for the last twenty odd years, and we're down to what is one hundred and twenty one awards, roughly. Yeah. And now uh, we, we're hoping to get some ground with that simplification. So, what would be a couple of wins you would say in that regard? Well, the awards are still extremely complicated, you know, nearly 100 pages long in many cases. And, you know, we, we think there's uh, plenty of scope to look at, well, could some of the content that's in awards be removed and put in legislation completely, particularly leave entitlements? Why do we need five or six pages in awards about annual leave when it's dealt with substantially in the national employment standards. So there's, there are issues around complexity, but there are also issues around flexibility. And, you know, awards are very rigid. Where, you know, there are a number of ideas around, you know, exemption rates and, um, you know, more workable annualised salary concepts, you know, loaded rates clauses, flexible part-time clauses. So there, there must be a way of making awards a lot more flexible and all of these things will be explored uh, in a great deal of detail over the, the coming weeks. And linked to the award simplification is the fourth category of the five and that's compliance and enforcement. What do we hope to see there? Well, this is an area where the government has a very significant um, agenda. They've already announced that they're going to introduce criminal penalties for deliberate and dishonest um, conduct as it relates to underpayments. Uh, that's going to be a very significant area to, to work through. Um, AI Group supports there being tough civil penalties, you know, fines for deliberate underpayment, but criminal penalties um, we, we do not support because there's just so much complexity in the award system. There's a real chance that that would lead to some extremely unfair outcomes for, for business owners, directors and managers and so on. But the, the other big issue that the government wants to deal with there is what is the process for dealing with underpayments? You know, do, does the commission um, have the right role versus courts and so on? There's a lot of very complicated issues. You know, the High Court in the 1950s handed down the Boilermakers case, which said that the, the Industrial Commission cannot operate like a court, so it really can't order people to pay um, amounts that have been underpaid. So all of these things will be explored. Okay. Now, and um, the second last one, the Greenfields Agreements. Now, you said Australian Constructors Association will be doing that, but no doubt we'll be having some input. What's the hope there with that category of reform? Well, the main thing that's being uh, talked about there is project life 
Greenfields Agreements. And if you take a project like Snowy Hydro 2.0, that project is projected to continue for six to seven years. Mm. Um, enterprise agreements can only go for four years. So if the agreements on that project expire after four years, it'll no doubt be a critical stage of the construction of that major project. So this idea is about, well, if you've got a project like that, why shouldn't you be able to have a, an enterprise agreement for the entire length of the project? Okay, so a West Connects or a Western Sydney Airport or a um, Tullamarine Freeway or, and a Tullamarine Rail, that sort of thing? Yeah, a lot of those projects um, in metropolitan areas don't usually go for the sorts of lengths of time that, that this um, facility would be aimed at. But, uh, yeah, any project that is scheduled to go for more than four years, this mm. becomes very relevant. Makes a lot of sense. So I was saving the last one up as a segue into the next item to discuss, and that's the number one on the reform agenda is casual and fixed-term employment of those five working groups. And, of course, this week we've seen the Workplace versus Rosato case get into the court and the decision uh, is now being appealed to the High Court. Can you give us a bit more? We've talked about this before, but give us a bit more background on the case and where we're at now. Yeah, the case relates to Workpack, a major labour hire company. And uh, there's been, in fact, two major federal court cases relating to two different um, ex-employees of Workpack. Um, Skeen, who was a truck driver in a case that led to a decision in 2018, and uh, Rosato, and another uh, former employee of Workpack. And in both of those cases, the full federal court has said that despite the fact that they were both engaged as casuals under an enterprise agreement which had a, a casual loaded rate, but despite the fact that they were engaged that way and paid that way, they weren't uh, genuine casuals, if you like, in the way the court looked at it, because in deciding who is a casual, you need to look at um, in this year about you know what is the pattern of hours, what are the expectations of the parties, and all of these fairly vague notions which don't align with the way that casuals are employed in practice. You know, throughout the workforce, the standard practice is if you're engaged as a casual and you're paid as a casual, you are a casual. That's the definition in the award system. This Rosato decision is in many ways much worse even than the Skeen decision because the issue before the court was not just the definition of a casual, it was whether Workpack was entitled to set off the extra amounts that the company had paid to Mr Rosato against the annual leave and sick leave and public holiday entitlements that he was claiming. And the court has said, no, you can't take that into account. He, he's entitled to these entitlements on top of the casual So double-dipped. Double yes, most employers would take the view that's blatant double-dipping. You know, fortunately, Workpack has... Uh, applied to the High Court for special leave to appeal this decision. Uh, fortunately, also, the Attorney-General, Christian Porter, has announced that the government intends to intervene in the High Court proceedings. So that um, means that over the coming 
months, first of all, there'll be a case about whether the High Court is prepared to hear an appeal at the special leave stage, and if they do decide to hear an appeal, the full appeal will be heard after that, but it'll be a very important case. And uh, hopefully before we even get to a decision in that case, the government will move, change the Fair Work Act to put a, a definition of casual employment in there, like the one in awards. At the moment, it doesn't define a casual, and that's why this problem has arisen. And there's a huge uh, financial exposure potentially for, for businesses across the country. Yes, we, with the application that WorkPAC filed for special leave to appeal in, in the High Court, uh, AI Group's chief economist gave uh, evidence in support of the application and it highlights the, the huge costs associated with, uh, with this issue. Um, you know, for example, about $10 billion just for annual leave entitlements alone. If you look at the fact there are 2.6 million casuals in Australia, about 1.6 million of them work regularly, but 1.3 million of the 2.6 million, about half of them, have worked regularly for at least 12 months. So if you look at the length of service of those 1.3 million casuals and uh, assume that they're going to get annual leave entitlements, that comes to an, a, an enormous amount of money that would be crippling for businesses. So this issue needs to be fixed. So just in brief, and obviously there's a lot of background to this uh, case that needs to be understood, but just in brief, what sort of advice are we giving to members who are a bit concerned about the casuals that they employ currently or even ones they're about to put on? You know, there's some straightforward things that can be done. You know, for example, when you put a casual on, you should make sure you give them a written uh, contract of employment, um, a document that makes it very clear that they're a casual. It would also be very worthwhile to make it clear in that document that they're being employed as a, a, a casual without any expectation of ongoing employment. Um, you should also make sure that the casual loading that's being paid is separately identified in, in that contract but also in pay records and on pay slips. So there's no uh, ambiguity that that person understood when they were being uh, employed that they were a casual, that they were paid a casual loading in lieu of annual leave and sick leave and so on. And also they understood that there was no expectation of ongoing uh, you know, offering of work. So there's a few simple things that can be done like that, but. Um, so you, so know, do you need, need to spell out that it's the loading is in lieu of X, Y, and Z, or just that it's a casual loading? It, it, it's worth making it clear that it's in lieu of the entitlements uh, like annual leave, personal carers leave, and other similar entitlements of full-time employment. Um, but there, there isn't a silver bullet with all of this. We really need to have the legislation changed, but hopefully also the High Court will take a different view to the Federal Court um, you know, when, it, when it goes to the High Court. Well, no doubt as well. I mean, the easiest um, way out of this would be federal legislation, but no doubt any federal legislation would wait till after this four-month reform process, IR reform process, I would guess. Yes, it, it, 
almost certainly will await the reform process because that's a relatively short period of time up until September. So the issue will be looked at in great detail by the Working Party on Casuals, which, which I'm a member of. Um, and at the end of that process, hopefully the government will move quickly to introduce the necessary legislation. Okay, we try and keep this podcast relatively short. So we've just got one more issue. It's another court one, but it's a very important one. The Mondelez versus AMWU case being heard in the High Court in Canberra on the 7th and 8th of July. What's the story there? Yeah, this matter in one way or another has been going on for uh, a few years. The, uh, the, the case relates to a group of 12-hour shift workers in the Cadbury factory down in Tasmania. And the issue is, are they entitled to um, personal carer's leave paid on the basis of 10 12-hour shifts, or are they entitled to two weeks of the ordinary hours? Now, most employers would be interpreting the expression in the Fair Work Act, 10 days of paid personal carer's leave, as meaning that that's like two weeks of ordinary time or 38 hours of personal carer's leave. In this case, the AMWU is arguing that no, those workers are entitled to 10, 12-hour days, which is obviously a lot more sick leave. A bit like the Rosato case, if the decision goes the wrong way, the cost implications are enormous. Um, the assessment by AR Group's economic team was about $2 billion of cost risk on this issue. But we'll, uh, we'll be there, uh, um, you know, AI Group Workplace Lawyers representing um, the company in the full High Court in Canberra on the 7th and 8th of July. Um, you know, Stuart Wood QC has been briefed. Uh, Christian Porter, the Attorney General, has intervened and uh, he's being represented by a QC as well. Uh, AMWU is being represented by another QC, but it will be argued at great length before the full High Court on the 6th and 7th of July. So let's hope that one goes the, the right way as well. There's so much going to the High Court at the moment, isn't there? They're, they're very busy. <laughs> okay, as we are with those those major reform issues. So I'll just wrap it up now. So that's that's all from this monthly podcast on the significant issues in workplace relations for June 2020. I've been speaking with Stephen Smith, Head of National Workplace Relations at AI Group. If you want to know more about the reform process and those five issues, we did an hour-long webinar, which is available, should be available soon, to watch on under the policy and media section of our website, aigroup.com.au. You have to be a member to log in. Ads uh, will be shown as webcasts there, and we'll keep those coming. So... Thanks a lot and thanks, Steve, and talk to you next time. Thanks, Tony.